0: All right, welcome back to the Struggles of a Christian podcast. Last time we were in Paul, uh, we've been in others since then, but since last time we were in Paul, we covered the Holy Spirit moving, setting Paul and Barnabas aside from for his work, and then Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas getting to the work, all right? So God set them aside, but then they got busy getting to work. So we're going to Acts 13.5 today, and that's where we're going to start. When they were at Salamis... They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John, that's John Mark, to their minister. And when they had gone through the Isle into Paphos, they found a certain certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar Jesus. They were sent forth by the Holy Ghost, and immediately they ran into a false prophet, a sorcerer called Bar Jesus. Bar Jesus means son of Jesus, and one whom Paul calls out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul came upon this guy, and he's not happy that this guy is uh, wrecking the testimony of Christ. I think we need to be like that every now and then ourselves. Acts 13, 9. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him on Bar-Jesus and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to reverse the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. <laughs> Saul was blind for three days. This guy's going to be blind for a season. But Saul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. That don't mean he just looked in his direction. No, no. That means he looked at him. He put his eyes, his gaze, his entire being, his focus on this guy, this false prophet, this enemy of all righteousness. And Paul calls him out for his deceitfulness, for his blasphemy, for his... Work against the Lord. Saul is now in the fullness of his spiritual life. He's had the meetings, he's had the revivals, he had the prayer meets, the studying. He is in lockstep with the Spirit. The Spirit lets him know what's going on. And Saul now, and Saul now, Paul is not silent. He speaks out against those that are working against the Savior. He does not pull punches. He calls this man one who is an enemy of all righteousness. That's fairly comprehensive. Then the deputy, the one who was with Bar-Jesus, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Paul is getting converts through his words and his actions. Paul is setting the world on fire for Christ, and God knew this was going to happen. When he called Paul out on the road to Damascus, when he separated, or when he scattered the Jews from Jerusalem, he knew what was going to happen. When he called Paul out on the road to Damascus, he knew what was going to happen. When he sent Ananias to a killer, he knew what was going to happen. God's plan has been proven time and again to be 100% the best way to do things. And you may say, well, of course God knew, he's God. But do you believe that God knew what he was doing? Do you truly believe God knows what he is doing? Do you truly believe that God has a hand in the world and acted in these situations? You have to ask yourself if you really, really believe or if you're just saying this. Now, everyone I know who's listening to me is going to shake their head that they agree with me. You're going to agree with me because we know Paul was chosen for a specific purpose. And that purpose is to go to the Gentiles. So we know God had a hand in him. But my point isn't, do you believe that God had a hand? My point is, do you believe God had a hand in Paul and in everything else that happened? Because if you do, I want you to ask yourself a question. Can God do this today? Do I believe? God can do this today. Because I'm seriously asking if you believe God can do this same revival awakening today. Because most of us act as if the battle is over. We know who wins at the end, so we're not fighting the battles in the war anymore. We're doing the bare minimum to call ourselves the followers of Christ. Do we still believe he can do it? Do we act as if he can do it? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to get him moving in our America today? You cannot say you believe what he did in the acts and say or live as if he cannot do it today. God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of time. He's no respecter of anything. He's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We have changed, not him. So I'm leaving this question right here on that table. And I want you to think about it. Can God do this in America today? Can he move like he did with Paul when he scattered the Christians? Can he move in the revivals that were happening? The world was shaken. Can he do it again? You cannot believe the acts of the apostles and not believe it can happen today. You can't. You have to believe both can happen then and now. All right, so back to Paul. Acts 13, 13. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on." So these people in Perga, I'm sorry, they departed from Perga. They came to Antioch in Pisidia. So they come into Antioch, in Pisidia, they go into the synagogue, they sit down. It's the Sabbath day, everybody's gathering together. So, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue said unto them, Ye men and brethren, because Paul is a Roman, uh, a Roman citizen and a Jew, and they're in a synagogue. So, they're saying, Your visitors, do you have anything to say? I don't know about you, but you never ask a visiting evangelist, a visiting preacher, if they have something to say, because I'm willing to bet. They got something to say, okay? Paul, of course, has something to say, but it's not exactly what the rulers of the synagogue asked for. They asked if he had any words of exhortation. (laughs) Words of exhortation. That should have been Barnabas, not Paul. I don't know if you've been paying attention or not. Paul has something to say, but it's not words of exhortation. (laughs) Paul stands and Paul preaches the gospel in that Jewish synagogue. They said, hey, you got anything to say? He stands up and he speaks. He didn't stand up and speak some feel-good words, nor did he preach a God loves you and you are okay message. No. Paul stood in the synagogue and proclaimed Christ as the Son of God. He did not sugarcoat it. He preached Jesus. What was that last verse we read? Hang on, let me get that. There was a verse we read, and hit the deputy, the deputy, give me a second, I am going to take my mom. The deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Paul stood up and preached doctrinally sound message. He did not sugarcoat it. He preached Jesus. It's amazing how you just preach Jesus and doctrine and people will respond. Now, in the next few verses, you're going to read what happens. You're going to hear what happens when Jesus is preached. Just Jesus. And the Spirit moves. Paul had the Spirit. Jesus and the Spirit together, they're moving here. Here we go. 1343 of Acts. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Almost the whole city came to hear the word of God. Do you see that? The power of the pure, unadulterated word of God, The almost the whole city came to hear. Paul spoke of Jesus, the people would hear more. They wanted to hear and learn of this Son of God. They wanted to hear and learn of the man who died for them. He, Paul stood and he preached a message of the gospel and doctrinally sound, and they came out to hear. Acts thirteen forty five. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul. Contradicting and blaspheming, these Jews were not the fellow Christians. Okay, these Jews were the rulers of the synagogues who were full-on Jews and not followers of Christ. This is how they were contradicting Paul. They thought he was a good Jew. He wasn't. He stood and he preached Christ. Now they're like, "Oh no, we gave him an entry point. Uh, we're in trouble now." And now, so now they're working against him and trying to contradict what he's saying. Acts thirteen forty-six. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold, and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation until the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. (sighs) The Acts of the Apostle. Fascinating stuff. Once again, the Jews were given the word first, and they rejected the message. Paul went to the synagogue. He was given the chance to stand up. He preached Christ. They didn't want to hear it. He said, okay, fine, I'm going to the Gentiles. They're contradicting him. He's telling them exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it. Paul is openly stating that he is going to the Gentiles, and what do the Gentiles do with this message of Christ? They rejoiced and glorified God. They were hearing the gospel and they were accepting it. They were grateful that God gave them the chance to hear, the chance to be saved. That God blessed them for bringing them. The God, uh, God blessed them by sending Paul. With the gospel to them. All the years the Jews considered themselves God chosen. And they were and they are. That has not changed. Yet they never saw the Messiah. They never knew God like he wanted them to know him. They got so caught up in their status. They forgot a relationship is a two-way street. The Jews have once again lost their chance. 1350. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. I can't stress that enough. The Jews stirred up the devout and honorable. Ever notice how the devout are so quickly riled up? Yet they never get riled up enough over the right things, do they? They never get riled up over those dying and going to hell. They never get riled up over the sin of the world. No, they get riled up over the truth. So Paul and Barnabas are now being persecuted and kicked out of the city. And what do they do? They shake the dust off their feet and they move on. They don't lose one night's sleep over it. They did their job. They preached the gospel. They were refused, Jesus said. If they refuse to hear, move on. That's exactly what they did. There are, way, there are way too many who want to hear of God, and they were not going to be where they were not wanted. There are too many who want to hear of Jesus, who need to hear of Jesus in the gospel for us to waste our time with people who don't want to hear, who just want to debate constantly and never, ever want to actually hear of Jesus. Walk away from those situations. There are too many people out there who want to hear of him. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews. And so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. Long time there, long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. It's a, it's a, it's a repeating story here. Paul and Barnabas go to the synagogue, where they will be met with sarcasm and derision. They went to the center of the opposition and they preached Christ. They know they're going to be met with sarcasm and derision. They know they're going to have trouble, but they go to the center of the opposition, and they preach Christ. They know there's going to be trouble, yet they preach Christ to those who need it most. They did not wait for the people to come to them. They did not go to a safe place and preach. They went straight to the heart of the opposition, and they preached Jesus. And what did they get for it? They got results. That's what they got for it. A great multitude of both the Jews and of the Greeks believed. That's what the that's the results they got of. It. They went to the op, uh, opposition. <sighs> have you ever noticed the pattern though? Have you ever stopped to consider what they did and how they did it? Surely you must have noticed all the persecution that Paul faced. Have you ever realized it was because Paul went boldly? before the Jews, the opposition, into their house, into their house, the synagogue. He went to where they were. He went in boldly, and he proclaimed proclaimed Christ. He didn't go in and say, if you got time. He didn't go in and say, guys, I know it's going to offend you. He went in and preached boldly Christ. That's how Paul operated. He went to those who needed it most, whether they wanted to hear it or not. I think maybe we, need to, we might need to do that a little bit. Somehow in today's world, we've gotten away from that. We have decided they must come to us. We have decided not to step out of our comfort zones. Yet there's a people out there and they must hear of Jesus. They must hear of the true Jesus, not the persona that Satan wants them to think he is. Paul went and spoke to everyone regardless of the consequences regardless of whether they wanted to hear. He preached the gospel. He went into their arena and he preached boldly and he preached Jesus. That was it. All right, Acts 14, four. But the multitude of the city was divided in part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. They were aware of it and flat unto Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. Once again, Paul's preaching has divided the word of God. The rulers of the synagogue had no arguments to refute Paul and Barnabas. So they go with violence. They go with insults. They go with defamation. They go with libel. It's amazing how when they have no uh, logical arguments, everything else comes into play, isn't it? The uninformed <laughs> cannot stand on their reasoning and arguments, so they have to resort to violence. They must resort to underhanded, backstabbing ways to put the light of the gospel out. For the light of the world shines on their sins, their inadequacies. Paul and Barnabas, though, are aware of the treachery intended towards them, and they leave and head to Lyconia. And what? what do they do there? Yep, you guessed it. They preached the gospel. Seems to be a recurring theme with Paul and Barnabas. The thing that always strikes me, though, with Paul, is that Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he was a changed man, a changed life, a changed heart. And he wanted everyone he met to know the truth and to know the Jesus that met him. For the rest of his life, he spent all his time and energy in preaching and teaching Jesus to all who would hear, and even those who wouldn't, he spent his time talking to. All right, so now we're going to Acts 14, 8. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet, and he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Now that's impressive. Jesus healed a man who had never walked. Paul's not Jesus. The man who had never walked was a cripple from the moment he was born. And along comes Paul, and he heals this man. But again, it's the singularity, the singularness of who is and who is not healed is always baffling. Why this guy, and why not another? Paul, from what I saw in Jesus' day, there's uh, lame and, and, and infirm everywhere. But Paul only only heals this guy. Paul perceived this man had the faith to be healed. I imagine it would take a lot of faith to hear this. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and Paul perceiving that he had faith to be healed. It's gotta be it's gotta take a lot of faith to be perceived like that. The reason I hesitate on this is because. It would be hard for me to believe that I could ever be healed. I'm 54 years old. And for all of my life, I've not been able to use my left eye. Somebody came in and said, do you have the faith to be healed? I don't know if I would. I've never known any different. I've worn glasses since I was three years old. I don't know if I, would, if I could believe that I could look out the window and... And and never have to have glasses to see. Or I can look in the mirror and not see glasses. Or I can get out of bed in the morning and not have to find my nightstand and get my glasses and put them on before I can walk anywhere. I don't know that I would have that kind of faith, but this guy did. And what did he do? The same heard Paul speak the lame man, who steadfastly beholded him, Paul, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked, just like the guy that Peter healed at the temple. He reached down, grabbed his hand, and this man leaped up, having never walked before. He is now leaping into the air. That is faith. The man leaped and walked. I don't know how you can see men of faith like this and not be moved. He didn't stand and wobble and ask for help. And no, he leaped and walked. He had faith. I don't know how you can look at that and not be moved. And when the people saw what had happened, they saw and rejoiced that they knew only of the myths and fables. So that is whom they gave the glory to. They had not heard of the God of the heavens the one true God. So they were going with what they knew, the gods that they were told about. So they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. And then the priests of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garland under the gate and would have done sacrifice with the people to Paul and, and this is me adding this, he would have, they would have done sacrifice with the people to Paul and Barnabas. That's me, That I stopped reading we're going to 14, 14, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of that they were trying to sacrifice to them, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out and saying, Sir, why do you why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven. Which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that had not done that they had not done sacrifice unto them. The people and the priests were ready to worship and sacrifice for the gods that healed the lame man. They came down from heaven and they healed this man. They are gods, according to the people. You gotta love their faith, though. I mean, you gotta love their faith, their joy. They're rejoicing over the miracle, they're attributing it to gods, and they are. I mean, they, they they are accepting of the fact they're just accepting it blindly in their heathen ways. They were ready to sacrifice to these gods because you know that's what gods want. So, Paul and Barnabas. They had to run in there and say, No, stop, stop. They <laughs> it's just it's a fascinating picture when you think about it. There's a point here that I, I gotta make though. To all of you out there who say that everybody worships the same god, I want you to remember this because they're worshiping to Jupiter and to Mercurius. These are these are the, the, the Greek gods. Uh, the Roman gods, the the, the the mythology gods. These are not our God. They are not the same. Our God is not Zeus and another thing. There's a difference. Our God is the God. Buddha, Islam, Catholicism, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't all worship the same God we do. There is one true God, John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is our God. So just here, as you're reading this, know that this is the difference. They say they're worshiping gods. No, Paul and Barnabas are not gods. They don't require sacrifices. Just as Buddha and Islam, Catholicism, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, they do not worship the same God that our Bible proclaims. There is Jesus, there is life through him, and him alone. There is God God, Jehovah, and him alone, any other way leads to death and destruction. It's amazing how they didn't know of this God. We, I mean, we know why they didn't know. Christ had just died and it was being scattered and taken to him, and I, I get that. But there are people in our world today who don't know. And they're attributing our God to false gods, and that's not the case. But the very words of Christ are what we need to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers. God prepares the heart. We pray. We seek him. He sends the messengers. God's done it all. That's what we need. Just like Paul going out to all these places and preaching Jesus. That's what we need to do. Just like the, 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 the heathen hearing. They're going to hear when the spirit and when Jesus are involved. They're going to hear. They're going to receive. They're going to accept. You're going to face the persecutions. But Paul preached boldly in the synagogues of the enemy. Boldly. And he preached Christ. That's what we need to do. There can not be no revival, however, if there are no messengers. We have to preach boldly. We have to disciple. We have to train and we have to send them out to preach boldly. Paul is a good example of all of this. So, we're going to end there and we will continue on next time. And um, Paul, it's fascinating stuff, Paul. Just like with, it's like every time I start doing a subject, it just it becomes fascinating It's so very interesting and alive to me. So, next time we're going to finish, uh, we're going to continue on in Paul. No, um, well, I guess that's it. Have a great day.